This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Spring is in the air. It's time for love and health. It's been said your health is your wealth. The benefits of great health cannot be overstated. Good health leads to a longer, happier life and even better relationships. Welcome to the Sunday Night Health Show, a show about health, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational, and yes, 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 even sexual, uncovering what lies beneath the sheets. Good evening. I'm Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse, author of the book Sex and Health, a blogger, clinician, TEDx speaker, and your resource to help start that conversation, answer your questions, and help you live life to the fullest. I have a passion for up-to-date and accurate health information to guide you so that the life you live is the best it can be. I make no innuendos, no judgments, and certainly no apologies, just fearless, straight-up nurse talk. I guarantee it will be illuminating, enlightening, and fun. So please stay with me. Do put the kitties to bed, as listener discretion is advised. Remember, we are going under the covers tonight. Feel free to email me at nursetalk at hotmail.com or give me a call at 604-280-9898. Or for those of you listening in Calgary, Edmonton, or Winnipeg, the number to call is one 399 9898. Good evening, Dwayne. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I am very well, thank you so much. Lost a little sleep, but aside from that, no problem. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. yeah, great. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, glad to have you here. Uh, good to be here. Behind the the uh, the board's a very important job here to uh, execute this program, so <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you very much. We have a great program coming up tonight because I have phenomenal guests at uh, just after my little intro here, Dr. Mark Borsier, who is the president of the HS Foundation, joins me to talk about the lives of those people who live with this rare disease. Also going to be talking about men tonight. What's it like to be a man in the 21st century, in the Me Too movement, in the Time's Up movement? (laughs) First, we're going to talk about men helping men. Last week, I had a gentleman on the program who spoke about parental alienation, and that drew a lot of responses from listeners, many of whom felt empathy for this gentleman, many of whom had experienced the same parental alienation. And it sparked a little bit of a desire for some listeners to want to help others. And so Rob actually phoned me and He wants to talk about the troubles that he has had and how he had to do some emotional healing himself. Uh, So he's going to share his story at the bottom of the hour, uh, just after we talk about HS. Full disclosure here, women aren't perfect either, including me, uh, when I talk about men. And uh, uh, so we're going to talk a little bit, too, about women supporting women. and, And does that actually happen? Also going to be talking as a little as we dive a little bit deeper into you guys um, talking about men because there was a very interesting study or survey done by Chatelaine about masculinity and what it means to be a man in the 21st century today and you'll be surprised at some of the findings and some of the myths and misperceptions and and who guys really think manly men are. Who are the manly men? Do you know a manly man? Are you a manly man? <laughs> what is a manly man anyway? <laughs> I have yet to meet one. No. <laughs> uh, but anyway, perhaps you are. So I'd love to hear from you if you 
have an idea of what defines a man or what is masculinity or what it means to be a man. I would love you to give me a call and and share your ideas, your perceptions, your realities, or your experiences. As I said, the number to call, 604-280-9898 in Vancouver. 1-877-399-9898 in the rest of the country or long distance. Um, So we're also going to be talking about uh, your future, okay? (laughs) You often might wonder what that's like. So we have some free readings tonight on the Sunday Night Health Show. Do Warwick returns. She is going to answer your questions from an astrological point of view. She's of the hour. Then another important subject, of course, I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, sleep. Sleep is vital for me anyway, Um, and hopefully for you too. And it's a very important aspect of your health. And we've lost a little sleep. We lost an hour. If you have put your clocks ahead, uh, you know what that's like to lose that hour. And so what are some of the better ways to deal with that sleep loss, because I actually prefer the fallback one. You get the extra hour and it's darker and you can really sleep and zone out totally. Anyway, um, back to men now. (laughs) Who do you think stress women more, husbands or children? It's a tough one. (laughs) The answer might surprise you. Oh yeah, that's really tough. Anyway, (laughs) some of this stuff is not rocket science. Anyway, but uh, it's important information that hopefully you'll you will understand better. Do you ever wonder about people's behavior, uh, whether they are children or adults? I know I found myself saying to myself in my head, you know, what happened to you? And and I might say that tongue in cheek or in jest. And, but I think it's an important question. And so does the CDC, because the CDC feels it's more important to address the trauma that happened to children before dealing with their behavioral issues. And I want to tell you about the ACE test that has been developed by, uh, by the CDC. Last week, we didn't get to how to deal with trauma. This week, we will. So I'm going to be discussing PTSD treatments, um, the latest treatments for you. And, and part of it is that ACE test. You, you honestly have to know what you're dealing with before you can actually treat anything. And uh, also going to be talking about some new dating terms, of course. I want you to be very uh, uh, up on that so that you don't go out sounding like a total loser on the dating apps. No, <laughs> So there's all sorts of lingo and, and different ages of, uh, of people are going online. And you know what? You want to come across as cool or at least a manly man if you are a manly man or you want to be a manly man. So the new d- dating terms are important. You want to have the lingo every time. Uh, sound like you know what you're talking about. And if you would like a better marriage, how should you behave? Okay. Um, what do you think? You can let me know. You can give me a call and let let me know what you think um, helps to improve your marriage, if you like. Of course, your emails are so helpful to the creation of this program, the Sunday Night Health Show, and I love having emails, and I will be answering your emails. I have one about NoFap. Not sure if you know what NoFap is, but anyway, I'll be letting you know, Uh, just in case you don't. Um, but also uh, your other emails, which I love to get. So you can email me at nursetalk at hotmail.com. I will be taking your calls. The lines are open. Dwayne is here. Love to talk to you and get your input on some of the subjects that we're talking about tonight. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. 
Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. It is my pleasure to be here with you, and thank you for being here with me this evening. Rare diseases has gotten a little airtime in Canada of late. We had Rare Disease Day uh, in February, and I like to keep these things going even after the days are set out to honor them. And I would like now to talk about hydrodenitis superativa, or HS. It's a chronic systemic immune-mediated skin disease which affects between 1% and 3% of the global population. However, the diagnosis is often delayed or the condition is misdiagnosed. Therefore, the true prevalence is unknown. This skin condition can have a tremendously negative impact on quality of life of those affected, and it can take a number of years for patients to get the correct diagnosis, and therefore they may suffer needlessly. Dr. Mark Borvier is the president of the HS Foundation of Canada, and he joins me on the line to talk about this very rare disease. Good evening, doctor. Yes, good evening. How are you? Very best in you. Uh, Very well, thank you, and thanks so much for joining me from Atlantic Canada, where it's very late Yes, I guess this is called your night show, so it's a real night show for me. It really is, going into the morning for you. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So you are the president of the foundation, the HS Foundation. That's correct. And you are a physician as well. Absolutely. I am a dermatologist working in Moncton now for over 30 years. So tell me about HS. I gave a little bit of a background, but what exactly is HS? First of all, I, I must say that your background was very good. Uh, HS, you know, uh, I think that what is important is that uh, this is a, a really, you said a rare condition, but it's not that rare. When you think of a condition that affects about 1% of the population, for me, this is quite significant. We have to mention also that this condition is three times more common in women than in men, so this is an important fact. And it usually starts around puberty or early adults, and then it runs a chronic course over the life of a person. So, so it's, it's, it's a terrible disease. Now, when you want to diagnose or you want to give the car- clinical characteristic of this condition, you have to think of, think of three clinical manifestations that are very important. The first clinical clue is the type of lesions. So these patients suffer from boils or nodules, abscesses, and abscesses are like collection of pus under the skin, and sometimes these can be as big as an egg, so it's really significant. And it is also also associated with sinus tracts. Sinus tracts are little channels or tunnels that run under the skin, and sometimes they open at both ends at three, five centimeters apart, and these lead eventually to scarring. So the first characteristic is the type of lesion that we just mentioned, boils, abscesses, and these tracts and scars. The second important manifestation is the sites of involvement. So this disease is localized usually in the axilla or the armpits, in the groins, on the perineum, the buttocks, and in the inframary area, especially for women. So the first thing, we have the type of lesion, second, the site of involvement, and the third important point is the recurrent nature or the relapsing course of this disease. So once it starts, you will keep having flare-ups every two months, every three months, every month for some people over years. So if you have these three characteristics, the type of lesion, the sites of involvement, and the relapsing, this is what we call HS hydradenitis superativa. And why is it that women are more likely to have HS? 
first of all, we have to know that we don't know the exact cause of the disease. I think that it's more, it's not one cause. I think it's a combination of factors. And genetics certainly play a big, big role. And in about 40% of cases, we can find a genetic or familial history of HS. So it runs in, 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 in the family. We know also that hormonal factors are very important. And you know you speak about three times more common in women. Probably it has to do with hormonal factors, which are not quite yet well-defined, but they are certainly very important. Uh, you may have heard of the microbioma. We hear this everywhere right now with probiotics and everything. So the microbioma also is altered in patients with HS. And we know also that it's highly associated with obesity and smoking. If you look at the incidence of obesity and smoking on patients suffering from HS, it's way higher than what you expect to see in the normal population. So, so that's, there's a lot of, of unknown, but there's a lot of things that we, that we also know. You know, you mentioned in the introduction, you know, that quite often this disease will go unrecognized for years before it is diagnosed. And this is true. And most probably is because people sometimes may be shy and they don't want to say, no, no, I have a boil in my groins or a boil in my armpit. So they will go and quite often they will lens the lesions themselves and not go to the outpatient or not require medical attention. And there's a very uh, simple question that you can ask. If you have had outbreaks of at least two boils in the past six months in the location that we just said, and you answer yes to this, there's really good confidence that you have AHS, and this is 96% confidence predictive value. And there, yeah. and 65% of people with HS will experience depression because this is this can be traumatic for for people, especially if they're in an intimate relationship. Uh, they can be embarrassed. 63% hide symptoms, according to your website. Absolutely. Big time, you know, depression. You know, I am happy that you mentioned this because we call this, you know, like comorbidities or disease that are associated with HS in higher frequency than what you expect in normal population. So, and depression of anxiety is definitely extremely associated with this condition. We know also that patients with HS have more chance to suffer from inflammatory bowel disorders. Uh, they have some form of arthritis. Uh, we mentioned obesity, hypertension, and lipid problems. So all of these comorbidities are associated with HS in a much higher frequency than what we expect in normal population. And depression and anxiety, absolutely. You know, this for me all boils to the quality of life. And, you know, being a dermatologist, I've seen some very terrible conditions over the years. But for me, a patient suffering from severe HS, for me, this is the worst quality of life that I can imagine. Try to imagine yourself, you know, with pus and boils that breaks in your armpits 24-7 mm. in your groins. You have to wear pads, you know, the pain, the odor and everything. It's absolutely terrible. And, and the misdiagnoses include skin infections, ingrown hair, spider bites, sexually transmitted infections, and di dairy or gluten intolerances. Yeah, yes, for sure. But as I said, you know, the, the simple uh, phrase that we mentioned a little bit earlier, if you had outbreaks of at least two boils right. you know, during the past six months in those locations, that's probably HS. So forget about the rest. Yeah. And what is the treatment? Uh, there is well, the treatment is a, is a combination of different things. You know, first we have to control the inflammation, which is very important. We can do this with antibiotics, either local or internal. We can use also anti-inflammatories. Uh, one patient come to the office, you know, with let's say one large, very 
painful inflamed lesion, we can actually inject a medication right into the boil and really improve this within 24 hours. A local hygiene is important, appropriate dressings, obviously. Pain management is also extremely important in this condition because it can be very painful at time. There is one medication that is actually approved for HS in Canada or anywhere in the world. Can, can I m- mention name on the air? Sure, or, sure. Yeah, okay, so the generic name is Adalimumab and the commercial name is Umira. You may have seen this name before because if you watch US TV, yes. you will see Umira advertised for all kinds of conditions, including Crohn's disease and arthritis. Right. But that's the only medication which is actually approved for HS. So it's nice to see that we have something on the label. And in some cases, also surgery can be very, very helpful in some selected cases. So, so it's not one treatment. You know, each patient is different, so we have to adjust the treatment to the patient in front of us. And, and can stress management, l- losing weight... And- and quitting smoking, can all of that help with uh, exacerbations of this, of HS? Absolutely. We call this lifestyle intervention, which is for me in my book always the first thing that we need to do, but not always easy as you can imagine. Absolutely. Very difficult to do, especially if you're feeling depressed or isolated or uh, lower lower self-esteem or lower sexual self-esteem. Um, so what um, what is the best way? We're, we're running out of time here. Yes. Um, what is the best way for people to get information, up-to-date information about this? But, you know, I think that the best thing is to go on the, there's the Canadian Hydrodynitis Superativa website, which is an excellent website. It's concise, it's precise, and this will give you links also to other sites if you want to know a bit more information. But this is a very good place to start. You can start also on the website of the Canadian Dermatology Association, the CDA, Canadian Dermatology Association, that will also give you link, you know, to some very good sites. So thank you. I, I may suggest to start there. That is wonderful information. Dr. Mark Borsier, thank you so much for joining us, president of the HS Foundation of Canada. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. My- this is Global News. I'm Bailey Nicholson. Two people are dead after a helicopter crashed into New York City's East River Sunday night. Another three people are in critical condition and one was safely rescued. The chopper had been chartered for a photo shoot and was used by tourist companies. The Federal Aviation Administration and the National Transportation Safety Board are investigating. Christine Elliott has conceded the leadership of the Ontario PC party to Doug Ford. Elliott, who refused to concede for nearly a day, met with Ford Sunday evening to congratulate him on his narrow victory. She issued a statement saying her team took the last 24 hours to review the results of an election that was incredibly close. Elliott initially disputed the results, alleging they stemmed from serious irregularities. In BC, the Richmond RCMP Serious Crimes Unit is investigating the death of a man whose body was pulled from the water near Steveston Harbor. Police say the man in his early 70s was found in the water Saturday morning. He received first aid at the scene, was taken to hospital, but died of his injuries. The man is from Richmond, a suburb of Vancouver, and police say his death has been deemed suspicious. And the Canadian Taxpayers Federation says a crashed Ferrari that's cost the Insurance Corporation of BC almost $800,000 in damage claims is a perfect example of why the province should do away with the Crown Corporation altogether. BC Director Chris Sims says taxpayers should be responsible for paying neither the repair costs nor the court fees associated with the battle between ICBC and the driver. We're unfortunately all in this together, whether we like it or not. 
And we think that is what needs to change here. If somebody is so um, successful that they're able to afford a car like that, all the power to them. That's great. But we shouldn't have to sit around and have this big, clunky government monopoly insurance applied to it and leave us all on the hook for it. From the Global News Desk, I'm Bailey Nicholson. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. We're coming into the second half of the first hour of the program. Last week, I had a gentleman on who shared his story about parental alienation. He had been in a sexless marriage, which led to infidelity, as it often does, and divorce, often the next step as well. No surprise there. But what he didn't expect was the parental alienation. And as he talked about his feelings and and what this had done to him in terms of his children and not having the same relationship he'd had with his children and feeling that his wife perhaps had influences or his ex-wife had influences, I'd, I'd received a number of emails about this. And this, this particular subject drew a lot of attention. But it drew the attention more so in regard to men suffer and men often don't share their feelings or share what's happened to them when they do suffer the those things that occur on the gravel road of life and a listener actually phoned me and wanted to talk about his experience his triumph over addiction to alcohol and how his life has become so much better in a very short time. He's been sober for 27 months, and he wants to share some of the treatment options uh, around uh, getting sober, some of the ways men can get sober, and women can get sober, people can get sober. But I think it was a little bit more about sharing these stories uh, with other men, because women have a lot of often have other female friends they can talk to about these issues, but it's certainly harder for men. Rob joins me, and he's on the line now. Hi, Rob. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing tonight? Uh, good, now that I have another outlet to share with people. Fantastic. I think it's great that you want to share your story, because when we share our stories, we empower other people. And oftentimes people won't share their stories because they're ashamed, they're embarrassed, they know things aren't going well in their lives, but they don't know where to turn, especially men, don't know where to turn because manly men were taught not to share their feelings, not to talk about what's upsetting them, not to cry, to man up. So a lot of men can repress some of their feelings and, and stuff them, and this can lead to unhealthy ways of life. So uh, I'd love you to share your story, if you don't mind, which I have never heard. So <laughs> here we go. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, I'm in my late 30s now. And the reason that I come on and I share my story is because if somebody hears something they can resonate with, then maybe they can improve their lives through anything that I can share with them a lot sooner than the age that I'm improving that. And so basically, uh, my story starts out when, you know, I was young and I was a pretty happy kid. And then when I was 10 years old, I went through several accounts of sexual abuse and nothing over the top, but through various, you know, touching or whatever else. What happened was it confused me. It turned me into the kid that 
went basically from happy to I would kind of, if I was in a room of people, I would just observe or I would stay off to the side or if I would talk to people, it would only be one-on-one. I didn't like being in the crowd. Uh, I was playing ice hockey. I became uncomfortable changing in the locker room, stuff like that. So basically, and what it did too is I didn't know how to act anymore. I didn't know what normal was. And being in the 80s when I was younger, like uh, I was born in 1980. So, you know, uh, that was the first 10 years of my life. And then into the early 90s, people didn't talk about anything then. And the Internet was something being invented, really. Mm -hmm. So nowadays we have a lot of awareness groups and people that come out and speak and whatnot. And so anyways... Uh, fast forward a little bit I'm going through grade seven and grade eight and grade nine and there was a lot of bullying and whatnot and so being somebody that was completely socially awkward and didn't know you know what to do or who to tell and the few people I did tell either laughed at me or you know like I didn't have any I don't have any siblings to lean on I don't have I, I just didn't have any support group at all so and then it was always you know you're a guy suck it up and just move on kind of thing and it's different now so uh, the day and age today is much better than it used to be but it takes people to actually get out there and discuss these things or else things don't improve so anyways uh, around age 13 you know smoked a cigarette found weed and Suddenly, I had something where all of this internal suffering that I internalized, basically, I had a way to drown it out. And then suddenly at 14, I found alcohol, and I had this odd kind of shiver, this reaction that went over my body. And I found out later that a certain percentage of people actually have what they've deemed through the World Health Organization as a disease that... uh, a certain small percentage of people's bodies don't process alcohol the same, and then they're far more prone to to take it far to the point of either death or or insanity, whichever comes first. So, and burning their life down along with it. And so, anyways, um, through bullying and whatnot, I ended up with a a group of friends because there was strength in numbers and a little more protection and. But there's also that aspect within the group of friends. And so having a child myself who's preteen and about a grade away from going into high school, I make sure she can talk to me whenever she wants. And and I find that important. So anyways, moving forward uh, through this group of friends, if you don't do what they do, you can be bullied within the group. And then if you're ostracized by the group, you have nobody because you've joined these little clicky groups or whatever. And then it... it goes both ways especially before anything else uh, before there was any way to communicate especially like I said the internet was a brand new thing being invented at the time so moving forward every friend I had we actually used to go out and play basketball and sports and everything on the side and we'd be somewhat active but as we moved through high school more and more of them were getting kicked out and we were drunk and we were drinking every day and we're being completely unmanageable and whatever else and and this led into your carried on through into your adulthood yeah that's correct and so upon graduation from the group of 40 friends I had it was down to three and I just graduated by the skin of my teeth and so as I graduated um, suddenly 
everybody in my group. So what happens is when you have to hide and you have to go party and everything, all the other thing that, things that hide end up in those parties too. And so some guy comes along and he looks like he's making good money and then he convinces somebody else, hey, this is good money. And then, you know, cocaine and other drugs start going around. And nowadays mm. it's a lot scarier because the drugs are a lot deadlier and you don't know what's mixed. In my day, you had to try to overdose, but nowadays it's ridiculous, mm -hmm. but very frightening, right? So yes. basically as these things started to come into the group of friends, everybody turned into either a dealer or an addict or somebody that had something to do with either driving for people or whatever it was. I ended up first a dealer, then an addict on top of drinking. And anyways, so progress further, I ended up being arrested for it. And I did a house arrest in for a while and first offense. And the first thing I noticed when I was addicted to a much harder drug, which I won't name on air, but um, if you isolate from the harder drugs, they don't have a set place where you can just go grab them at any time. And so if you isolate long enough from them, you lose your contacts and it's harder to go back out because mm -hmm. people are sketchy and they don't trust each other in that society. And, and in any case, for the first year, <clears throat> so this was my first experience recovering from something, even though I still drank. And when I would sleep at night, I would have dreams where I would wake up thinking that I was using this drug so vividly that I would actually feel the same high that I felt while using it in real life and then take a breath because I wasn't actually doing it when I'd wake up and I would have these dreams consistently for about a year before it would subside. And so that was the first thing I managed to overcome, but all the meanwhile kept drinking. So I ended up meeting my spouse in my early 20s and in January 2016, we separated and I sobered up pretty much right at that time. Was now, that your? During, was that what you would call your rock bottom? Well, it, basically, the rock bottom was so. If I didn't have a place to go with a bedroom to sleep in, I either would have been homeless or I would have been at a halfway house. So I kind of avoided the absolute rock bottom mm -hmm. as like a last ditch effort, but I was a step away from it. And mm -hmm. I and I deal with a lot of people and help a lot of people that do hit that rock bottom they end up on the street. And what's weird, at least in my mind, because I didn't end up there myself, is it gets so comfortable with that life that it's very easy for them to go back to it and think nothing about sleeping in a tent on a street or in cardboard or grabbing a, you know, whatever bed they can right. grab at the time. And, and, and you've been sober now 27 months. Correct. Congratulations. That's phenomenal. Uh, how did, uh, what are, what are some of the treatment options that you wanted to share with people? We just have a few minutes left. We have to go to break. Um, what are some of the treatment options that you would, um, advise or suggest to others, uh, to see what would work for them? Because oftentimes they don't have the correct information, as you say. So am I done at break or am I coming back for a bit? No, we're just going to be going to break shortly. So if you can just... Um... Okay, so a few of the different recovery places, and these are things either I took part in directly or or went on a tour of and mm -hmm. got to know because not nothing works for everybody. So um, the first one is Alcoholics Anonymous, and basically that is a group where there's 700 meetings per week in the Lower Mainland and people they meet and they share, and then you grab a sponsor, which is somebody who's who's basically been there and done that for a while, and then he takes you through step work so that you can self-reflect and dig everything out that's 
mm-hmm. emotionally affecting you so that you can become your own coping mechanism as opposed to the substance being the coping mechanism. And so if you put the work in, you can recover. Mm-hmm. The other one similar to that would be Narcotics Anonymous. And, you know, it's narcotics as opposed to Alcoholics mm-hmm. Anonymous, the same kind of step work. For people that are dealing with somebody who's addicted, there's something called Al-Anon mm-hmm. and um you can find them at bcuconalanon.org, and that's for people dealing with family members that are addicted so that they can get an insight on addiction itself. The other one is the John Vulcan Academy, mm-hmm. and they're located in Surrey. And last time I talked to them, they had close to 80, 90 beds available. And for a two-year program, it's only either $6,000 for the two years, mm-hmm or they'll subsidize you if you're absolutely broke, but you have to do their program, and anybody that's finished it has stayed sober. That's fantastic. Listen, Rob, thank you so much. We're running out of time. I really appreciate you sharing your story. We'll have you back on and uh, share a little bit more of that. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. We're going to have a little fun now. We're going to... Talk about how your life is going to turn out. Do you ever wonder? Ever wonder what the future holds? I know it's good to live in the moment, and uh, you've got to remind yourself of that because oftentimes if you live in the past, you may be living in depression. If you live in the future, you may be living in anxiety unless you have astrologist and horse <laughs> and, and horary, uh, Diana Warwick in the studio with you, like I do tonight, <laughs> who is actually predicting your future. So if you have a question, give us a call, 604-280-9898, or if you're calling long distance, one 877 Welcome to the studio, Diana. Hi, Maureen. Hi, thank you for having me back. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. All right, so we have Nand on the line from Pitt Meadows. Hello, Nand. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. Are you wondering about something in your life? Uh, yeah, I was, was just thinking well, what what could happen in my life. You're just thinking what could happen in your life? Anything yeah. could happen, Nand, and I'm not even an astrologist. <laughs> Do you have a particular question, something you're wor- worried about, something you're wondering about? Uh, I was uh, thinking about the future. Yes? What mm-hmm. aspect of the future? Uh, about, uh, you know, what will happen next uh, on, on my future Okay. Diana, what's going to happen? Well, listen, Nand, I can say to you, um, you know, what's going to happen to you in the future. Um, I don't know. I don't know the future. If you have a specific question, what's going to happen to me financially, romantically, professionally, I can help you. Why don't you think about that, Nand? We're going to take another call from Blake in Red Deer, Alberta. Hello, Blake. I can't hear. That's okay. But I can't hear. Hello? Hello? Oh, hello, Hello? Blake? Yeah. Oh, um, no, I'm, I'm Nan. Him at all. Oh, sorry. We're just going to have Blake on the line. He's having a little technical difficulty with the um, hearing hearing of the headphones. Maybe it's not plugged in. All right. That's okay. You tell me the question. All right. Hello, Blake. No, did we lose them both? <laughs> We've lost everybody. Okay, that's fine. Woohoo. You can feel free to call back if you like. We're just going to talk a little bit about astrology. Yeah. We're gonna, uh, Diana, so tell me a little bit about astrology well, and what it is that you do. You know, it's interesting because astrology has been around for an awfully long time. Thousands and thousands of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, 
back, 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 you know, has been studied. And so it's interesting that after the Age of Reason, 17th century, it became very kind of, you know, people put it down and said they don't, you know, they don't, they don't believe it or isn't real. Yet, you know, uh, during the 60s, it became popular again, basically with psychologists. Mm-hmm. In France, for example, uh, psychologists advertise themselves as astrologers. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, interesting. And now, the reason for this, of course, was Carl Jung. Mm-hmm. He did that fantastic study of 500 marriage charts yes. and found a correlation between the person's moon, mm-hmm. ascendant, which is found by the time of birth, yes, and the sun sign. Wonderful. We have Paul on the line from New Westminster, and he has a question about his future work. All right. Hello, Paul. Hello. Hello, Paul. He's coming. Hey. Hey, how are you? Good. 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 What's your question, Paul? I um, just want to know uh, what direction my, my career path is going to take in the next year or so. Hi, Paul. Uh, it's it's due here uh, speaking with you. Listen, um, it's interesting because I'm looking at your uh, career path in terms of there's been some sudden changes in it, I think, right? Uh, yeah, well, I wouldn't say sudden, but yes, changes, definitely. Changes, yeah, that came up over the last, say, four or five years? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. So what's going to happen now is this is going to continue for a while, but the good news is uh, you should look towards something connected with, let me see now, uh, one, two, seven, eight. Uh, something connected with foreign uh, people, something to do with publishing, something to do with higher education. Have you thought of retraining? Um, yeah, I've been thinking about retraining. It's, uh, I've got a lot of different skills. It's just which You've got lots of take. skill sets. Yeah, that's good. Because uh, is there a chance you could at all be a teacher? Um, possibly. That was one of my uh, I'd go for that. Thoughts. That would be it. Perfect. Okay, Paul, thanks for calling. Okay, wonderful. Okay, we you. have Chi on the line from Edmonton to, uh, asking about jobs and love. Which Ooh. would you like first, Chi? One or uh, the other one. Either one? I, either one? No, okay. Come on, Chi. You got him. It's about love. Come it's on, about Chi. love. Let's go for the love. Okay, about love. All right, here we go. You're about love. All right, so to do with love, let me see now. Well, the thing about love for you right now, Chi, is that there's a lot of sort of skill sets that you want to incorporate with your love life, if you know what I mean. Does that make any sense to you? Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm glad it makes sense to you. <laughs> so I missed it. Didn't make it, much but. sense to me either. <laughs> but no, the thing that what I'm trying to say is that you need to be more communicative to the one you love. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. He's a guy. Yeah. It makes sense. Hey, just because he's a guy, you can't get <laughs> off the hook. You Doesn't mean you, you don't communicate you know, well. You know, I'll t- none at all. And in fact, you're quite passionate when you communicate. And gals love that. Yeah, well, guys are the best. Guys are the best. Okay, well, you know what? <laughs> guys are the best, guys exactly. The best. So go passionate. Go go like Baudberil, as they say in Quebec. Okay, you know? let's go for his job now. What's next for his job? Ah, he gets two questions. Okay. Future employment. All right, future employment. Well, let me have a looky-see here. Uh, it's interesting to me that your future employment might involve something to do with construction or some sort of physical activity. Is that the case? Uh, not really. Not really. Okay. Do you work with women? Uh, no. No. I'm, I'm sorry. I can't really, uh, get your, um, 
employment thing at the moment. Could you maybe come back in a minute? I'm going to pull up a card for you, see what that says. Are you employed currently? Uh, no. You're not. Yeah. Okay. You should go for something connected with a physical employment. That's what I'm picking up I in think the chart that's here. great for a lot of men. We're going to have to go to the news right now. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening. More horoscopes after the break. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.